All right. I don't know if we're going to be doing a chapter a week or not. Because Galatians 5 is just like... I don't know. Galatians 5 is Galatians 5. (laughs) So Paul has been writing to the people of Galatia. And he visited them. He taught all among them. He went to all these different cities. And you guys, he got um, beaten and stoned. And a lot of times when they would stone somebody... They wouldn't like take them out in the middle of the street and stone them because then you got a dead body there and it's unclean to touch a dead body and that's kind of a nuisance. So you would go to like the back of Dollar General on a cliff, on a hill, and you'd get the, the whole party started by shoving the person off the cliff and they would fall down the hill and then you'd, and you know, you're stoning somebody and it's hard to throw rocks and so if you could just drop them on people, that would work better, for real. So a lot of times when they would, the way to stone somebody was to push them down a hill and then throw rocks down on top of them. And that's kind of what happened to Paul. And they left him for dead. You know, they all looked down there. You got a bunch of rocks on top of you. If the fall didn't kill you, the rocks would. These are the people he's writing to. He would... You know, after that happened to him, all the, the people that had become believers just in the weeks before that, maybe even the day of that, came to check on him and he got up and was fine and went back into the town and kept on preaching. So he's writing them a letter to, to reinstate, you guys, Jesus died for your sins. He rose from the dead and you are free from Everything that the law of Moses could not free you from. And so he's, he's reinstating all that. Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. For freedom. He is re-emphasizing that. You can either have, there's two kinds of freedom, right? Freedom to and freedom from. So we're driving by here and we see Hardee's has sausage biscuits, two for $4. Pardon me while I try to not drool. I am free to buy those sausage biscuits, right? I am free to, I am able to do that. There's no judgment against me if I do that. Now, if I was addicted to sausage biscuits so that I had to have one, so that, let's say, on my way to church, I saw the sign and that made it so that was all I thought about the whole church service. (laughs) And suddenly God delivered me. And so I wasn't consumed with that thought anymore. Now I am free from the, the, the slavery to the sausage biscuit. You guys, I'm going to use so many stupid, bizarre examples today. Just get ready. Um, Galatians 5 is really hard to keep rated G. It's super hard to keep rated PG. It's even hard to keep it from being rated R as we get into this. So I'm going to try to water it down with so many silly examples so that when we get to the rated R examples, it's not a total shock, right? (laughs) 
You're free from slavery. It is for freedom Christ has set us free. He has set us free from addictions to bad things. He has freed us from slavery to our sin. And He has made us free to walk in His presence and walk in the fullness of life that is life in Christ Jesus. So, it is very plain. Fewest number of words, straightforward. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Don't go back to being a slave to your sin. You are freed from that. You are freed from that. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. That's been the big topic. Is people are coming and they're saying, yes, all that stuff that Paul said is right. And we're really happy for you that all those miracles were worked. But you have to be circumcised because that means you're Jewish. And they really want you to be Jewish. And once you're Jewish and you follow the law of Moses, then all that stuff about Jesus is true. And that's garbage. And that's what Paul is saying. He's saying, look, I'm writing this with my own hand. If you think any outward act is going to do anything for you, then Christ is of no advantage. So all of these things, we're we're going to talk about a bunch of them today. There are things, there are laws that somebody wanted to draw close to the Lord. And Paul gives them a little bit of credit. They want an advantage, and that's good. I mean, who doesn't want to draw close to the Lord, right? So then people ask, how do I draw close to the Lord? And somebody somewhere said, well, you go to church every Sunday. And so then people were like, okay, I'm going to go to church every Sunday. And as they went to church every Sunday, they grew in the Lord. But over time, it turns into, if you want to be a Christian, you go to church every Sunday. And suddenly, the goal of growing in the Lord gets a little pushed aside. And it's replaced with going to church on Sunday. And that's the thing that a Christian does. And so now if I go to church on Sunday, I'm a Christian. But the whole point was to grow in the Lord. And we're not doing that. We, we, we cut that off. Or maybe we won't eat during Lent, we won't eat meat on Fridays. Because fasting, fasting is this thing that every time my stomach growls, I'm reminded of the Lord and His goodness and how He provides for me. And so I want to fast. Yes. And so fasting is this really good thing that gives me an all day long reminder of the Lord. And then somebody said, oh, what do you do to draw near to the Lord? I fast. Okay. And then over time, that turns into a law. Well, if you want to be a Christian, you need to fast. It's a rule. So then people start fasting and that makes them Christians. And they've lost that original bit that that's what draws you near to the Lord. That's why we're doing that. These go on and on, right? These develop in every culture, in every time the culture changes. Uh, There's a time where 
uh, only rich people could get access to sugar. And so a sign of being rich was that your teeth would rot. You would have brown spots on your teeth from your teeth rotting from sugar. And the poor people that couldn't afford sugar could afford brown and gray dye. And so they would put brown and gray dye on their teeth to look like cavities. And then you looked like you were a rich person that had rotting teeth because of sugar. That's ridiculous, right? We look at that, we're like, okay, that's ridiculous. But here we are in Christian culture doing all the same silly, stupid things, right? Replacing something that is really a good, originally started out as a really good way to draw near to the Lord... And we turned it into a, well, if you're a Christian, you should do this. You should X, Y, Z. And that's what Christians do. That we start defining being Christian by, you vote Democrat or Republican. We start defining Christian as, you listen to this kind of music, you don't listen to this kind of music. And we start putting laws in there. And... At some point, oh, it was genuine and it was real. And it was like, oh, I am moved by the Lord. The Lord is moving in my soul and I can't do this. Or I want to do this. Because the Lord is moving me. And then time passes by and it just becomes this, well, Christians do this, Christians don't do that. And it becomes a law. I testify again. This is Paul, 5.3. Every man who accepts circumcision, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. If you're going to take one thing from the Mosaic law and say, this makes me righteous, you have to take all of it. You have to take every single bit. You can't pick and choose. Rich Mullins is this awesome musician. He wrote uh, Awesome God. He wrote a bunch of other songs. And um, one day he, at a concert, he upset a whole lot of people. And he said, I love highlighters. Do you guys love highlighters? And the whole crowd is like, yeah. And he's like, the thing I love about highlighters is I can go through my Bible and I can pick out which verses are important and which ones aren't. And which ones I want to follow and which ones I don't. (laughs) And everybody froze. And he was like, that's nonsense. None of us should do that. The whole Bible is rich and full. We need to love the whole thing. So he was like tricking everybody, right? That's what Paul is doing. He's saying, okay, if you, it's good that you want to have an advantage. It's good that you want to grow in the Lord. But don't think that any outward activity is going to do it. But if you do, you have to do all of them. Because if you break one, you've broken all of them. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He would say that in Romans. Okay, the other thing that goes on in Galatians 5. Remember Galatians is Paul's angriest letter. He says, you stupid Galatians. He's going to get kind of violent here in a little bit. He also has some really crude puns and some crude jokes. And we're going to talk about those too. So that's why I say we've just stepped into PG-13. Okay? If you accept circumcision, you're obligated to keep the whole law. You are cut off from Christ. You who would be justified from the law. 
So we don't think the Bible has jokes in it, and we don't think it has a sense of humor. But he's saying, if you're going to do the cut off of circumcision, you are cut off from Christ. He's making a pun. He's making a, a joke. You are cut off. The only thing getting cut off here is your relationship with Christ. Does that, does that make sense? If a circumcision happens, you think one thing's getting cut off. The only thing that's getting cut off is your relationship with Jesus and your grace with Him. You're severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You've fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. This is what Christ in us does. Christ in us makes us hope for righteousness from God and receive righteousness from God. All of our activities, our fasting, uh, there were guys that used to get dry rice and they would kneel down on dry rice when they prayed so that they wouldn't fall asleep while they prayed because the right, it, it hurts. It hurts really, really bad. Uh, if you've ever been at a, a preschool that had the rice table and they've all playing with the rice and scooping it and all that, some gets on the floor and you kneel down next to your kid next to it and you kneel on the dry rice. Yeah! They would do that. Worthless. Absolutely worthless. The result of the Holy Spirit is internal. It works in us. This is the true work of the Holy Spirit. All through this, Paul does not quote it explicitly, but you can tell it's in, it's on his mind. It's Isaiah 64. Isaiah 64, Isaiah is prophesying to all of these people that are so religious. You guys, they had perfected religion. They had perfected the sacrifices. They had perfected the offerings. They nailed every song perfect. They had the lights turn on at the right time. They had the lights turn off at the right time. Their preachers were excellent. And Isaiah says to them, he's talking to God and he's talking to the people kind of back and forth. And he says to God, from of old, from all of history, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God like Yahweh who acts for those who wait for Him. That God would act for us. That God would do something for us. Nobody's ever seen that before. Everybody thought you had to do all these things for God. You had to do all these things for their idol. You had to do all these things for Chemosh or Astarte or all these false gods. You have to do all these things to serve them. And Isaiah says nobody's ever seen a God who works for his people. He acts for those who wait for him. You meet him who joyfully works righteousness. He's saying to God, God, you meet the people who joyfully work righteousness and those who remember you in all of their ways. God wants to meet you and work for you. Then he says, God, you were angry when we sinned. And in our sins, we have been so long and how could we ever be saved? How can we ever dig ourselves out of this hole? Have you ever done something so bad or you said something so hurtful to someone 
And you're like, I don't know how I'm ever going to be able to restore this. Because I was a jerk. Or, or maybe you bought something that was such a piece of junk. And you thought, I don't know how I'm ever going to recover from this. Because this thing is a lemon. Like this is, I don't know what the resolution here is. He's saying, we have sinned so bad. What righteous deeds, what sacrifices can get us out of this hole? How can we be saved? We've all become like one who is unclean and our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Isaiah says, our righteousness, our acts of good things are like the dirtiest, nastiest laundry you could imagine. That's what our righteousness... Our righteousness gets us up to septic tank. Oh. Our good deeds and our religious works get us up to sewer. They're not going to get us anywhere close to God by our actions, by our deeds, by our good works. All we can do is hope in a God who will work righteousness for us. Back to Galatians 5.6. In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. All of this law doesn't count for anything. Only faith working through love. So all of a sudden, we have in the Bible a super clear what what matters in the Christian life? Faith, making action and doing things out of love. Faith in Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and freed you from everything that the law of Moses can't free you from. That Jesus has given you freedom from shame, freedom from guilt, freedom from fear, freedom from um, hopelessness. He has given you all of that. And the only thing that matters is that we work on that faith and do something out of love for God. And now we do things. And I love it that he doesn't say what? He doesn't say you need to be circumcised on the eighth day. He doesn't say you need to be baptized by immersion or be baptized by sprinkling. He doesn't say you have to read the King James translation of the Bible. So we can put that to rest. He doesn't say that you have to have pews that don't have cushions because people should suffer in their pews. (laughs) We have cushions in our pews. He doesn't say anything. So here's what I want you to imagine. I want you to imagine the scene. Jesus returns with all of the heavenly host. The resurrection happens. We're all given our glorified bodies. And there's me and Cindy walking around in heaven. And we're seeing you guys. And Cindy is like, will you please take off that stupid hat? And I got my ski hat, my ski trucker hat with the vent in the back so it's not too hot, right? And I'm just walking around heaven in my glorified body, shining like the sun. There's no need of sun. There's no need of moon because the Holy Spirit's light is shining out of us. And I am sporting my ski hat. Because ski is like the right thing, right? Like people that drink ski are going to be seated around those 
12 thrones in in glory, right? Because Ski is awesome. And she's going to elbow me and she's going to be like, Sully, you got to take off the ski hat. I mean, you think hat head is bad on earth? We're here for eternity. And there's no uncleanliness. You're going to have hat head for like 67,000 years. This is ridiculous. The scene is ridiculous, right? So whenever somebody says, if you want to be a Christian, you should X, Y, Z. Oh, all Christians, A, B, C. If one of those isn't Jesus... It is as stupid as me in my ski hat in heaven. And that is, that's traumatic, right? Because as this plays out in real life, and it will play out in real life, right? He's a Christian, but he voted for Walter Mondale. Walter Mondale was my dad's classic joke. He would sing songs about Walter Mondale, just totally hilarious. I grew up, I had no idea about politics. I just knew Walter Mondale was the butt of every joke. Or Frank McDonald was the other butt of every joke. You have to, to be a Christian is to have a strong marriage. Is a strong marriage good? It's awesome. It's not what makes you a Christian any more than my ski hat. Christians should give 10% of their income. You know what? Giving 10% of your income is a great thing. But if you want to tell me it affects my righteousness, I would like to sell you a ski hat. Because it's that dumb. Is this dumb? Is this this a dumb thing? Jesus plus nothing, you guys. Now i got to fix my hat head. I need a haircut anyway. Combine that with my hat head. is getting passionate about this. He's like, do not get circumcised. It means nothing. But being uncircumcised, that doesn't even mean anything. None of that. Only faith working through love. I don't care about your ski hat. I don't care about your tithe. I don't care about your church attendance. None of that matters. Only thing that matters is faith working through love. Then he kind of changes his tone. You are running so well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. The Holy Spirit is not telling you. You might hear a zillion preachers. And and I just, I can't even tolerate it anymore myself. But, you know, here's how you have to do this. And you have to do this. And I have to put this burden on you. And I have to tell you to do this thing. He's like, this is not from God. This is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. A little leaven, a little bit of rule following and a little bit of judging people because they don't follow the rules that you follow will taint your whole life. It will just start this snowball of judgment and drawing lines and separating you from people. And Paul is so awesome. He might know exactly who it is. 
He might, he's named names already in Galatians where he was talking about Peter. And he is leaving that to the Lord too. He says, I have confidence in the Lord that you'll take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear this penalty, whoever he is. But if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? Basically, he's saying, there are people that aren't getting this. And I am not a part of them. If I was a part of them, I would not be persecuted. I would not have harm done to me. I'm different from them. They are not with me. They are not preaching the same gospel. But I think you'll get it. But then he goes crazy. (laughs) Galatians 5.12 I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. I wish they would just chop them. If they're so intent on circumcision, I wish they would just chop themselves up and die. That's what he says. This is uh, really harsh and really aggressive, right? There, um, remember when we, did we talk about Elijah and Elisha? Uh, the priests of Baal would cut themselves. They would call out to Baal and they would cut themselves and uh, do all these terrible things to themselves to try to get Baal to listen. And so basically Paul is lumping the people that say that you have to get circumcised, they are like the priests of Baal, cutting themselves to make God listen. Think, think about the level of accusation that is, right? He's no longer saying, I mean, he's already said, if anybody preaches a different gospel, they need to be condemned to hell. Now he is saying, if those people that are telling you that you need to cut something off physically to be right spiritually, I wish they would just admit that they are idol worshipers and just cut themselves like the priests of Baal that they are. Like that. This morning I read that and I had to get up and walk around again because it was like, oh, this is like, this is like saying, you know, pastor so-and-so just needs to admit that he's Muslim. Like that would shake everybody up, right? That would be, people would be like, whoa, pastor so-and-so isn't Muslim. He just needs to admit that he's a fortune teller and he goes to see Madame Zorba. I mean, like crazy, crazy accusations. That's what he is saying here. You are called to freedom, brothers. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. He says it again. This is by love that you do these things. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's like eight words. (laughs) No, that's it. If you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. How does this work? We have seen this in churches. We have seen that you've heard about it in other churches. You've heard about it from other Christians. Somebody thinks that something is the way that Christians do things. And the way that Christians do things is like this. It might be, I've heard of, there's a church in Evansville and they're against drums. Because uh, drums in worship music 
go back to pagan things and they don't allow any drums in church. And so they don't allow any drum music in church because it's evil. And so when people come, I've heard of preachers that have gone to preach there. And since they came from a church that had drums, they didn't allow that preacher to preach there. Even though that preacher is awesome and has all kinds of great things to say, he comes from a church where they have drums. Boom. That is the biting and devouring one another. When we as Christians start to judge other Christians by who they are and what they do, it's anything as stupid as a ski hat. Oh, don't make me put it back on. I will. When the church starts to divide and to split over issues that aren't Jesus, are we going to worship Jesus? Is Jesus Lord? Then may we worship together. But if we bite and devour one another, what will happen? We will be consumed by one another until there are no Christians left. And there won't be anybody left. I, I talk to people that aren't Christian. And sometimes the things they bring up are how much Christians fight with each other. And I, I like to remember, Jesus said, by this, by this thing, everyone will know that you're my disciples. For your love for one another. And I like to ask the question, I know you have seen Christians that didn't love one another, but have you seen Christians that did love one another? And the answer is always yes. People have seen. As much as people can hide away from the church and hide away from Jesus behind Christians that didn't get along, a bunch of people wearing ski hats, People know deep down in their soul they have seen the real thing. I mean, in Evansville they have. They have seen the real deal. And I think as we go into our week, you guys, we have so many opportunities to divide. We have so many opportunities to push people away and to exclude people because they don't wear ski hats. Because they don't do this religious thing or that religious thing. But gosh, what if they follow Jesus? What if they believe in Jesus? And what if in their weakness and in their difficulty, they do X, Y, and Z? That we think no Christian could ever do that. We're going to talk about next week how we reconcile all of that. Because not every Christian is perfect. One, one was, but he was really Jewish. Keep it on your radar. Once this gets on your radar, it won't go off. To live by the Holy Spirit, to seek out the Holy Spirit, and to make Jesus the only thing that makes you a Christian. It was easy for me. I went and lived in a completely different culture where I didn't have all the cultural props that helped me be a Christian. And I had to find a way to be a Christian with just Jesus when everything else was stripped away. I don't wish that on anybody. But if you pay attention and you watch, Jesus, I just want to follow you. I don't want to follow my culture. No matter how righteous my culture is, my righteous culture will only get me up to the sewer. 
My righteous deeds will only get me up to sewer level. And Jesus is there and he's saying, I want to live in you. I want to empower you. I want to give you the joy of the Spirit. We'll talk about it next week that helps you live this out. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you have, you have freed us. It is for freedom that you set us free. And Lord, we want to understand what that means. We want to understand what we are free from. The sin and the shame and the despair and the hopelessness. And we want to know what we are free to. What we are free in. And what we can walk in now that, now that your Holy Spirit is upon us. Teach us these things in the little things of the week, Lord. And show us your ways. We love you so much. Amen.